If you were here last week, we looked at what happened between Amnon and Tamar. Now, Amnon is a child of David. Tamar is a child of David. Most scholars believe that they had the same dad, different mothers. Um, And so Amnon and Tamar were half-brother and sister. And now there's another fellow involved by the name of Absalom, who was Tamar's full brother. So we have Tamar and Absalom, who were brother and sister full by David. And then Tamar was a daughter that was from a different mother. And so the story that we looked at last week was that Amnon, the half-brother to Tamar, was falling in love with Tamar. And so much so that the Bible says that he was getting sick, like physically ill, because he couldn't have her. And at that time, the law was already written. To have your half-sister, it was illegal in God's law to have her as a wife. But nonetheless, he was putting that aside and was craving his half-sister to the point where the Bible says he was literally getting sick because he wanted to have her. And so at that time, he had a friend who I wouldn't call a friend. He had an acquaintance that gave him some very bad counsel. And he said, listen, why are you doing this to yourself? Just set this deal up. Pretend that you're even more sick than you are. And say that the only thing that's going to cure you is basically, I'm paraphrasing, but have your half-sister come in and cook you some nice biscuits, some nice little food, and feed you. And so he goes to his dad, David, and says, listen, this is what's going on. I need this to happen. David says, fine, it's okay. Tamar cooks him some meal. She goes to his bedside, and he takes her by force. And as he's taking her by force, she is like resisting the situation. She does not want to sleep with him. She's trying to do anything, saying, listen, listen, your father will even give you to me. But don't do this. This will be a shame to all Israel. But Amnon takes her by force anyways and sleeps with her. Immediately after this sexual act occurs, something very strange happens. And after the sexual act occurs, Amnon, rather than loving her, now hates her. And he like wants her out of his presence. And Tamar, who didn't want to be with Amnon, now doesn't want to leave and wants to stay with him. And so last week, we learned some lessons about this. And the first lesson was, first of all, with Amnon getting sick, wanting to sleep with his half-sister, we looked at last week how hormones cannot be trusted. They can't be. Our hormones, our sexual desires cannot be trusted. Like any other emotion, they are designed by God, but they are designed to be in line with how God wants you to use them. And so his desire was making him almost ill. And it's a good lesson for us to know that hormones can make us make bad decisions. And if not yourself personally, you know somebody at least really close to you. You don't have to look very far to realize that you know somebody that made some really bad decisions based on their hormones. Oftentimes, it is the alcohol mixed with the hormones that can cause these situations, but you don't have to look very far to realize that there is somebody that we know, if not yourself, that has made really bad decisions based on hormones, gotten into bad relationships, did some things they never thought that they would do based on these situations. And we need to be very careful about that because God has designed them, but designed them in a certain way. Designed them for pleasure, but designed them in a certain way in the context um, of marriage. And that's why the Bible wants us to flee youthful lusts, to have self-control, and to not trust our feelings. Trust the Word of God over our feelings. 
And that's why it's good to have good friends around, which leads us to the next point that we looked at last week was the counsel of Amnon was horrible. And we need to surround ourselves with good counsel. Counsel that will say to Amnon, listen, you're being an idiot. You need to get these hormones under control. God has a plan for you, has a life for you, has a wife for you. Get them under control and walk out the way that you're supposed to walk life out. And that's what good counsel is about. And you know what I'm talking about. We all have people like that in our lives, if not ourselves again. Oh, but I love him. And everybody around can see, ah, ah, this is a horrible situation, right? Oh, but I love. Amnon thought he loved Tamar, which we know ended up not being the case. And so we need to watch our our hormones or anything else in life that help us make bad decisions, like alcohol, like different things in our lives, right? And we have to have good counsel around us. Everybody needs good counsel. And I know we talked about it last week. We've talked about it many times. But we looked at Scripture last week that those who have wise people around them become wise. And those who don't lead to death. And so we need good counsel around us. The Bible says that the counsel of the ungodly leads to destruction. But the counsel of the godly leads to us flourishing and being like a tree planted by the rivers of the water, the Bible says, that bring forth its fruit in this season. All that means, godly counsel leads to eternal fruit. And we have to watch who we have in our lives. And if you don't have someone in your life that can call you out, then you're in a bad situation. And a lot of times, that's your fault. A lot of times, people don't allow themselves to be called out. If you have a a demeanor that no one will call you out on your junk because they're scared of your response, then it's your fault that you have bad counsel. It doesn't feel good to be called out. But I like being called out in a deeper level. Because even if I don't take the counsel, at least it's been brought to the open where I can prove it to either be good for me or not good for me. You know what I'm saying? So you need those people around you. You need those people around to say, hey, I don't like the way you're acting. I don't like what you're doing. But if you have a demeanor that doesn't allow that, you have already missed a lot of opportunity in your life or you're going to miss a lot of opportunity in your life because God wants people around you to be able to speak with you because all of us have blind spots. All of us. I sit down with different people. You, you, others. I have like three or four people that constantly that I sit down with. Five, maybe more that call me out. A lot of people in my close circle, they have that ability in my life. You know? And they know there's going to be some tension. Like I said, it always doesn't feel right when you're being called out. It's not like when somebody says you're being an idiot, you're like, yes. But down the road, you'll go, yes. Thank goodness. Right? All right. So can't trust our hormones or anything else that may lead us astray. We need good counsel in our life. And then the last thing we looked at last week was something that is so wild. And it's this scripture, when I first read it, just was mind-boggling to me. And that's what we talked about, the situation where Amnon loves her, takes her, and then hates her. Tamar resists, gets violated, and then doesn't want to leave. And what happens is, is when this stuff is out of context, when sexual stuff gets out of context, again, it makes the human process differently. That's why some of you that may be growing up and, 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 and had sexual abuse as, as a youngster, you need really good counsel around you. 
because you can't trust your process. Because once that stuff takes place, it's very difficult to trust your process. And not even just as a child, as you go. I mean, we've all known people, like I said it before, where you'll see a, someone who's absolutely so abused by somebody else, and yet they just cling. And this is what happens here. She pushed away while she still had her sense of mind. But the moment she was violated, she's like, don't leave me. Don't leave me. That's why when things get out of context, we need even more good people around us. And we need to understand ourselves even more. That Listen, I got some weak spots. I got some blind spots. And I need to follow the will of God closely. And I need to follow good counsel. Does that make sense? So, Tamar gets violated by Amnon. Tamar tells Absalom. Absalom says to Tamar, her full brother says to her, this has happened now, just don't make a stink about this. And then the Bible tells us that David heard and was angry. Now we're going to finish the story, and I'm not going to spend a long time here today, but I wanted to close this up, this end of the story up. Now in 2 Samuel chapter 13, we're going to read verses 21 to 38. This is after she's violated. Absalom knows about it. King Dave knows about it. Now we're going to read, and we're going to see the ending of the story. But when King David heard these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Baalhazer, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, kindly note your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, no, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go. And he blessed him. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants saying, watch now. When Amnon's heart is merry with wine, when his guard is down, and when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose and each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass while they were on their way that news came to David saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons and none of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground and all his servants stood with their clothes torn, a way of mourning. Then Jonadab, the same person who counseled Amnon, the terrible counsel, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, answered and said, let not my Lord suppose they have killed all the men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now, therefore, let not my Lord, the king, take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. Then Absalom fled, and the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked, and, and there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, look, the king's sons are coming, as your servant said, so it is. So it was, as soon as he had finished speaking, that the king's sons indeed came, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, king of Geshur, 
And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. So Amnon rapes Tamar. Absalom says, don't make a fuss about this. Initially in the story, you might think that he was just saying, hey, don't make a stink. That's not the case. He just didn't want Tamar to make a fuss because Absalom was going to be the one to take revenge. And so for two full years, Absalom is just waiting around for his opportunity to kill his half-brother. Think about that, two years. And all of you can relate because all of you have held grudges for at least two years. Some of you, all of you probably. Some of you more than others have an easier time holding grudges. But two years, and I understand this is a justifiable grudge. And so here we see David's life continues to struggle within his kingdom, not outside anymore, not people after him, but after what he did with Bathsheba, now his kingdom is struggling within. And David was angry, the Bible says, But the first point that I want to make today is that David was angry, but did nothing about it. David was in charge and did nothing about it. He didn't do anything about the issue. He found out that Amnon had raped his half-sister. The Bible tells us he was angry, but he did not do one thing to deal with the situation. And that's one of the points that we want to look at. He didn't bring justice to the situation. He didn't bring reconciliation to the situation. He just got mad and thought it would just go away. How many of you have gotten in situations where you got mad and if you just don't deal with it, you think it's just going to go away? And that's how you deal with many of your problems in life. And I got to tell you, getting mad and then just stopping being mad and thinking stuff is just going to go away, it rarely happens. It rarely happens. It just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds or it festers and festers. And with Absalom, it had festered for two years. And problems just don't go away. Problems don't go away in your own life. They just don't go away. We have to deal with them. And as Christians, we deal with them in certain ways. Christians, we bring them before the Lord. Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. This is my problem. And that's what takes the worry out of it. The Bible says, don't worry all over the New Testament. But he tells us how to not worry. All over the New Testament, he tells us, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. But he tells us how to do that by casting our cares onto him. For he cares for us. That's the first step. We've got issues in life, we cast our cares. We don't pray to God and tell him to kill the person we're mad at, right? It doesn't work that way. God doesn't follow us around. We follow him around. We cast our cares onto him for he cares for us. The Bible says that the peace that passes all understanding will come to us if we pray and bring prayer and supplications to him. The Bible tells us not to worry if we seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then all the things we're worried about will be taken care of. So the first thing we do is we put it on him, and then we listen to the instruction of God on how to deal with these things. And there's so much instruction in the Bible. The Bible is our instruction book for our own lives, and not taking care of issues in our lives that usually don't go away. And the tough ones... We really need God to take them away. And we're all struggling with those things in life. But I want to tell you, the more we hang on to things and the more we don't deal with them, the more baggage we end up carrying in our lives. And then we get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And we talked about earlier bad relationships. All of a sudden you can't trust yourself. The same as with this in life. You start putting more baggage on yourself and not dealing with problems in your life. Pretty soon you, you don't even know how to deal with a problem anymore. And then pretty soon... You cave 
under the pressure, whatever that looks like in someone's life. So problems just don't go away, and we need to know that in our own lives. Take them to God and follow his instruction. So an example is unforgiveness. Many people struggle with unforgiveness. We all do in different points in our lives. There's someone right now, if that name was mentioned, your hair on your back would stand up. Maybe some of you have dealt with most of that, but a lot of us have that name or that situation. And you might have been completely right in that situation. But not forgiving somebody is a problem. And it's a problem in your own life. It's more of a problem in your life than it is the person you're forgiving. Because a lot of times when you end up forgiving somebody, a lot of times they've moved on in their life and they don't think about the situation. Might not think about the situation. But we're still thinking about it. And so the unforgiveness, we think we're holding them in jail. No, you're holding you in jail. And it's one of those areas that we've got to let go for our own sake. But they don't deserve it. No, they don't. They don't deserve it. But they get it. That's the difference with the kingdom of God. And it'll set us free. It's a baggage load off us. Well, Trent, you don't know what they've done to me. I don't need to know. Because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says to forgive. And I know it's hard because that's the one place in the Bible where after Jesus told his disciples to forgive, you know what the response was? Oh, Lord, increase our faith. It wasn't over miracles. It wasn't over healing. It wasn't over provision. Jesus says, I need you to forgive. And their request is, oh my goodness, increase our faith. (laughs) It's a hard one, but it's a necessary one. It's a necessary one. Did Absalom win in this situation? Well, you're going to find out later in the story, he didn't win at all. He might've thought he got revenge for his sister, but he also got revenge for himself, for so many people around him, for a whole bunch of other people that got hurt in the process. Was Absalom right to want to kill his brother? Yeah, he was. And that's why it's so hard to forgive because a lot of times we're holding on to things where we know we're right. But right doesn't heal you. Jesus does. Being right in a situation does not bring you freedom. Jesus brings us freedom. And so we can be right or we can be free. We can be right or we can be healed. Which one do we want to be? Right? Those are the questions we have to answer. So just being angry and not dealing with something doesn't work. It doesn't just go away. It doesn't go away in relationships around us. We talked about the unforgiveness part. Things have to be worked out in relationships. You see, most people, a lot of people, they grow up and it's either like, okay, we're friends if things are going good, but if things start going bad or something bad happens, we're no longer friends. And if that's how you grew up and if that's how you function... That's not how the kingdom functions. Not how the kingdom functions. I've had people be so brutal to me. And yes, it took a long time to get over, but at the end of the day, I still wanted reconciliation as best as I could because that's what Jesus wants. It's not what I wanted, but I wanted it because Jesus wants it. And I know what Jesus wants is better for me. Does that make sense? I didn't want it, but I knew that Jesus wanted it. And what Jesus wants is better for me. And that's how I solve the problem. Because he loves me. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I didn't mean to go that deep in that, but maybe the Lord's dealing with something this morning, maybe. Let it go. 
I used to say I make a terrible counselor, and I still do. Because that's my famous three words to most people. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And it sounds really harsh, and maybe it is at times, and maybe I'm not the greatest person at hearing some things, but let it go. Our job is to be good to one another. And that's where the power lies. Good? All right, problems just don't go away. We need to deal with them. We must always keep growing in our lives as well. Always. Things don't just happen. We must keep growing. We must grow because we all have issues. And God is taking us from glory to glory. And the Bible says what he has begun in us, he will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. And he's taking us from faith to faith and glory unto glory. So every day we should be looking around and walking with God, seeing how we can grow in our personal lives, how to grow in our personal lives and how to get better dealing with others. Because that's what it's all about. That's what it is all about. The Bible's really simple. The 10 commandments were like, two of them were towards him and the rest were towards people. The first two were like, keep him first. And the next be good to everybody else. And now he turns around and says, love others as I have loved you. Same thing. And so we always need to be growing. We need to be better today than we are yesterday. And if we had a bad few days, we need to take the next few days and be better because God doesn't want us stagnant. And I want to tell you, we need to be moving forward because there is no stationary stuff in life. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards in life. That's in leadership and everything. You learn that in life. You're moving forward or you're moving backwards. Because this world is not just stagnant. The world is not still. We're always being challenged and faced with things. And we're even moving forward through it or we're getting dragged backwards. And so we need to be working on our issues and we need to be working on the issues that we have with other people. How to deal with people better. 1 Peter 2.2 says this, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How do we grow? By the word of God. By the word of God. You can grow physically. You can grow in age. But you can't grow spiritually and be better in the kingdom of God without the word of God. You can't do it. You can't. That's the food. That is the food that nourishes us and moves us forward. And so you better either be thinking about it or you better be reading it. Because that's the only thing. That's the only thing. The only thing. That's like salvation. The Bible says, how do we get saved? We get saved by the pure, engrafted word of the seed of God. That's how someone gets saved. So we can try to convince somebody in the kingdom of God, but without the word of God that goes to their heart and the spirit of God makes alive, no one around us will get saved. And thank God he made it easy. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's in the Bible, right? That's all people really need to know. Yeah, I mean, there's more to it, but that's what they need to know. If you're afraid that you're sinning and not going to make it, call on the name of Jesus. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There was a story I've shared before in the, in the past where there was a guy having a revival meeting up north in, in uh, First Nations area. And there was a guy, he was preaching away, and there was a guy who walked through the back doors, and he's a big, burly guy from the area. He was the guy in town. He was the guy that you didn't want to run into in town. And if he was drinking, you would run the other way. And he walked through the door and everything got silent. The preacher was preaching. All of a sudden, everybody hears at the back, Jesus! And the guy runs to the front and hits his knees after listening to the preacher for a few minutes. And the preacher was there as a, as a visitor, 
holding meetings. And the people, the deacons or, or the elders at the time, who was ever at the prayer ministry there, went around him and started to talk to him and tried to get him to do the sinner's prayer. And he was getting mad. He said, I just heard the preacher say, if I call on the name of Jesus, I'd be saved. What, what, what's going on? And so the preacher got everybody stopped. And he's like, the man is saved. And they were like trying to get him re-saved, you know, because they were thinking, no way, right? With one word, this guy can get saved. But one word, the word of God went inside of him and got saved. And I've heard so many stories like that. It was, it was from the, a lot of times in the old days when they were so strict on religion. And there's one story I heard from a, a preacher, a friend of mine, that from the old days they were praying and this lady just wanted an infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so she got nailed by the Spirit of God. And one of the prayer ministers didn't know what had happened and walked up and said, if you take those fancy earrings off and that makeup off, you might get filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and, that, and that visiting preacher said, too late, too late, right? We think one way, God's so much ahead of us. God, God and religion, they just don't mix. They don't mix. Anyways, it's the word of God. It's not how great we act. It's not what we wear. It's not what we put on our face. It is the word of God that takes us from glory unto glory, from faith unto faith. Colossians 1, 9 through 10 says it this way. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says it this way. I beseech you there, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. He's saying, listen, act holy, be holy, act this life out well. It's your reasonable service, but not by trying harder. He says, do not be conformed to this world. But how do we do it? By being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we grow up in God? We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the Bible tells us how we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It is by the word of God that comes on the inside of us. It is seed that takes birth and begins to grow. And it produces a crop in us, 30, 60, even a hundredfold. It produces life on the inside of us. So if we want to be more life in the kingdom of God, we put more word in or we meditate more word or we think more word, but we deal with the word of God because it's not pen, it's not letter, it's not ink, it is spirit and it is life. Transformed. And that word transformed in Romans 12 is the Greek word metamorphosis. If anybody knows metamorphosis, where you've usually heard it, it's when a caterpillar goes to a butterfly, they use that word, that it went through metamorphosis. And it's such a cool word because the butterfly is no longer a caterpillar. It, like, it changes so dramatically. And so that word was not used by accident. It's that word that transforms us. It doesn't just give us a new habit. It changes us. It changes us. And if we're believers, we need to be changing. And if you're the same today as you were 10 years ago in how we walk in love, we're not spending enough time in the word of God. We're not spending enough time with him because we should be way more loving individuals today than we were a while ago. So, last question, and I'm out of here. Why didn't David deal with it? These are just some thoughts for you to chew on. I'm not answering these questions. Why didn't David deal with it? Was it because he's too busy? 
Do we get too busy to go to the word of God? Do we get too busy to deal with our relationships? Do we get too busy? Do we get too offended to deal with it? Maybe that was the reason. Maybe David didn't want any more conflict. He had just been the whole, through the whole David and Bathsheba thing. And maybe he's thinking, I can't do another round like this. I got called out once and I just don't want to do the family thing anymore. Lord, send a prophet to them. I don't want to deal with this. I don't know. Was David really good in the field and at war? Not very good at home? I don't know. Was he feeling too guilty about what he had he'd done and figured that he could no longer speak into anybody else's life? That happens a lot too. I'm not worthy to do it because I've been through this. But you hang around with God long enough, a couple things happen. You start to love other people a lot more. But you start to love yourself too and allow yourself some grace because that's God's grace for us. You get something out of that this morning? Father, I thank you for this word this morning and I thank you that you are taking us from glory unto glory, from faith unto faith. Lord, help us deal with stuff in our own lives through you and help us deal with the people around us and the relationships we have through you as well. Father, I thank you for growth. Thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. He good, isn't he?